Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy. It is great to have your company. And on today's show, we have a tale of passion, disagreement, and heartbreak in the world of Irish horse racing. As last week, renowned trainer Tony Mullins announced his split with owner Paddy Kyo, who in a shocking turn of events, removed his Group 1 winning mare, Princess Zoe, from Mullins' care. The fallout between these two has sent shockwaves through the racing industry and the fan base. Paddy Kyo has given his side of things in an exclusive interview to Sam Morgan from The Sun, and Sam will join us a little bit later on to break down how that interview came about and the reasons that Paddy has given for removing the horse. But first of all, let's speak to trainer Tony Mullins. Tony, it is a pleasure to talk to you on the final furlong. Hi, how are you, Emma? I'm in good form. Just before I get your overall thoughts on it, and I think you've spoken eloquently about it already, can you tell me how yeah. you came to acquire Princess Zoe in the first place? Well, uh, <clears throat> a good friend of mine there, Bernard Cullinan, he's, uh, he studies a lot of the European farm, you know, and try, we're always trying, we don't have the checkbook to buy the, the big stuff from France. So we're always trying to think outside the box. And um, Bernard came across this one, he rang me. I looked up the pedigree and the pedigree was quite good. And uh, we bought her relatively cheaply, you know way less than 40,000. And um, when she arrived then, I got a bit of a land because we took a chance. She was uh, out from the back of East Germany, out near Dresden, very hard place to get to. And I just said, here, sure, we'll take her as she is. And when she arrived, she was quite crooked and, uh, you know, quite sore from racing on fast ground. So it took months to get her right. And we were probably lucky that the, COVID lockdown came at the time because we were about to run her just when racing was cancelled. And I'd say that three or four months was a blessing in disguise, you know. And she was a way better filly then when we got going at the end of June. So that and as luck would have it then when we when we did run, we got beat the first day in an auto seventy handicap. <laughs> and I'd say you see that the mayor was in my opinion the mayor was expecting 
the same old humdrum that she had been doing in Germany. And I'd say she only got the message at about halfway. Hold on, I'm not near as sore as I used to be. And she came from last of 18 and just failed to catch the last one. She finished second. And that would then result in three handicaps in a row. You win at the Galway Festival. You go back to Galway, you win a listed race. And then you get the Group 1 win at Parry Longchamp. Yeah, well, it was funny that, you see, Paddy Kyo owns or had a, another good horse a couple of years before that, or maybe the year before, a horse called Party Playboy. And we were second, just beaten in the English Sausage by none other. My brother Willie beat me a half a length. And um, it is a devil to go the whole way to England for a huge race, and Willie beat me on the line. <laughs> but anyway, so I suppose it was better him beat me than someone else. But anyway, we uh, after winning the the handicaps in Galway, we, we had the Sausage in mind for her. But then she won the listed race in Galway so well. I was thinking coming home in the car, I said, this one is better than a handicap. And that's when the idea of the pre-decadron group one came into our head. And um, she just did some tremendous work for the three weeks leading up to the that win in Longsham. And I, I, I was here, you know, thinking to myself, I'm going for a group one. Now, this is some major step out of a listed race. And uh, then I kept, every morning, I kept coming down and saying, just her work is like something I've never seen here before. So we went ahead with the plan then, as the song says, and she won. She's given you tremendous experiences. The second in the Gold Cup, competing at Royal Ascot, the Galway Festival, Ark Weekend, Irish Champions Weekend. She took you to Saudi Arabia, even the Cheltenham Festival. It's pretty unique for one yeah. horse to be able to take you to all of those incredible venues. And you weren't just there yeah. to take part. You were there to properly compete. Yeah, and, and she won in a lot of those places and was second in the Ascot Gold Cup, probably one of the most famous races in the world. So, I mean, she was an amazing filly as a lot of people who would follow racing would know. She has very crooked legs and she does suffer a bit from arthritis. And, you know, before I got to know her, every time I worked her, I wouldn't be able to sleep that night till I'd see how she was the next morning. And just one of the most amazing horses I've ever come across in my life. Her enthusiasm to race, her toughness to take on, Anything she was asked, I mean, I, I often wondered to myself, was there any limit with her? No matter how tough we were on her, she'd say, come on, I want to do more of it. <laughs> Just amazing. And and that's, you know, a lot of people think I loved her because she was a good horse. It, it wasn't her ability as a racehorse that I loved. It was her attitude to racing and her, her love for a competition. She was just unbelievable you know that every day she turned out she wanted to do more and more each racehorse has their own unique personality and characteristics and character traits what were hers like what was she like to work with on a daily basis not just the fact that she could take the work and take the racing really well but what was she like as a, as a horse to deal with well you see she was um quite funny in she knew what she wanted and you know I, I, I've told people before that she was always let out in the paddock at 10 o'clock in the morning and some mornings when you be busy you just forget 
you know, be running up and down the passageway doing other horses and she'd start stamping her foot. You know, I swear if she had a watch on her, she'd be looking at the watch saying it's 10 o'clock and you haven't let me out. You know, she was just one of those. Uh, and then she would always go to the far end of the paddock. And by one o'clock when she knew it was dinner time, she'd come back, stand at the gate and just I never put a head collar on. She'd just walk in behind me like a pony. And uh, those sort of things. She knew everything that was going on. You know, where she just had an amazing character that uh, anything we did knew, she checked it out. She wasn't just an old Jinnet that had to do whatever you'd ask her. She checked everything out. And then when she knew what it was, she'd do it the next morning like she was doing it every day of her life. You know, she was just amazingly intelligent. I love stories like that about racehorses. And I think we should do more to try to expand about just horses' personalities. I remember the Bows talking about Limestone Lad and, and his own quirkiness. Yeah. I think he put Michael Bow in hospital twice. He broke his shoulder and he <laughs> broke his leg. Every time you shooed him, you would have to go to his head, first of all, give him a little pat down the neck, and then go and shoe each hoof individually. And he forgot to do it for the rear hind leg and woke up in hospital. And, and he would do the same thing as, as Princess Zoe. He wouldn't come out of his stable until it suited him. But once he started to kick up a fuss, if you didn't open the door for him straight away, he'd be on the brink of breaking it down. They were remarkable creatures. Yeah, I mean... There's a lot of people and that often annoys me that a lot of people go through life thinking horses are stupid. They're mm. so intelligent when you get to know them. And each one has his own idiosyncratic way of going on, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, they, they and when you get to know them, they're like humans. Yeah. And uh, when you get a good one, obviously, you're, you're around them more and you're watching them and that. It's amazing just to see those, the good ones, always involves determination, you know. And people mix that up with a horse being fractious. And they're not being fractious. They're just, they have their way of doing things and you should line up with them. Horsemen can often mix up a horse being fractious with actually, uh, it's his individual character. And uh, the human isn't adhering to what the horse wants. And I don't mean to spoil a horse, but mm. certain horses have certain ways of doing things. And as long as we get it done, I don't care whether it's the horse's way or my way, as long as we get it done without a row, because <laughs> a horse doing it in a happy mood is definitely going to improve as opposed to one that's made do it. Absolutely. And I think that's eloquently put as well. And again, something that we should be getting out there more to the general public. Most racing fans will understand that, but particularly in the current climate of the protests about racing and we're all horrible people. That's the kind of thing that we need to highlight a, a little bit more. Horses are special creatures. Without this industry, they don't exist and they don't thrive. And that's a point that we need to get across a bit more as well. That's one that my father, uh, Paddy Mullins, always drilled into me. That he said he used to say, a horse will literally die for you. He says you'll be lucky if you ever get a human to do that for you. <laughs> That's um, a terrific quote. That's a brilliant yeah. quote, and it's an absolute fact as well. Um, yeah, the relationship between you and, and Pedicure really deteriorated post Cheltenham, and that would have begun after some comments that he made on on Twitter. He was very critical of Danny. I think incredibly unfairly so. I don't know what. Danny is supposed to have done wrong on the horse when 
she dead heated on her hurdling debut. I don't know what he's supposed to have done wrong in the mare's novice hurdle, but that is Paddy Kyo's opinion and he's entitled to it. However, yeah. you took issue with what he was saying and doing it in public. And I said the other day, if he wanted to make those observations in private to Danny and to yourself, that's one thing. But to do it publicly in the manner that he did, was he fully aware of what he was saying in public and how that was going to be hurtful to both yourself and to Danny? Yeah, well, I'd say that uh, Paddy didn't quite realise the following that Princess Zoe has. And, um, you know, her popularity with the racing public. Like, there are far better racehorses than Princess Zoe uh, in Ireland, but there are not too many as popular as her, mm. you know, and I don't think he he realized that um, she had such a following and people were genuinely worried about her going hurdling as as I was. But we did it. And I thought the mayor with the little problem she has, I thought she acquitted herself very well. And Paddy didn't seem to agree. So. Um, then he was moving on to talk about the Galway Hurl and I just said, Paddy, I'm not running in the Galway Hurl. And I think that's when it got pretty serious. Uh, I, I wouldn't chance running in the Galway Hurl and I hope she never runs in it because I'd be very worried for her welfare, you know. Mm. I mean, it's different on winter ground when things are happening a little slower over what we call the conventional hurdles. But the Galway Hurl will run over easy fix hurdles, which is not a good name for them because they're rock solid. And if she hit one of them going at summer ground speed, I'd be very worried for her. And uh, I wasn't willing to do it. Am I right in thinking that the reason she went jumping in the first place is because she failed the vet at the sales and that Paddy and Philomena didn't no, really have much of an interest in breeding? No, well, Paddy hadn't much interest in breeding, which was fine, but she didn't fail the vet. Uh, she just failed to sell. I mean, she only she only went to the sales with a breeding cert, you know, because we all thought she was going to make a brood mare. Yeah. And um, that's, she just failed to meet her reserve. Now, she didn't fail the vet. And um, as she proved in Pontchartown and Cheltenham, she is sound but she takes a lot of minding and um, it'll be interesting to see now if, you know, she can attain the heights that she did before. It'll be a tough job, you know. She is a lovely broodmare prospect. She's by Jukebox Jury out of a Tiger Hill mare. Um, Fergal O'Brien has, I think, her brother, Palace Boy now. He won, yeah. a, he won six figures in France and she's obviously a Group 1 winning villain and she's been placed in a Gold Cup. On paper, she's quite an attractive broodmare prospect. All the all the good judges came to see her in Newmarket and they were astounded uh, at her crooked legs. It was amazing. I actually got a couple of horses to train out of it because um, a couple of the top lads came to me and said, if you can train one with crooked legs like that to win a group one race, I'm going to give you a horse. And I got a couple out of it. <laughs> well, I'm glad that something so. good came of it then. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because as you put the video up on, on Twitter in the last few days, when the horse box turns up to your yard, you're obviously aware that she's going to be moved. I'm intimating from how you've worded that. Had Paddy told you that, and I know he's now the outright owner and Philomena is, is no longer involved in the ownership, had he told you that she was moving, leaving the yard for breeding purposes or did he directly tell you she's going to Paul Nolan's? Oh, no. The, the agreement was I had her booked in in Coolmore to 
Churchill. And then I noticed from a few things that were said and the particular horse box I knew that came for her, I knew that wasn't going to cool more. So I sort of worked it out that she wasn't going to cool more. But I had her booked in already to Churchill, you know, on their behalf. And, um, you know, the other shareholder then, Fidemina, she, when she realized what was happening, she said she wasn't uh, partaking anymore and sold her share. So now Paddy owns the mayor outright. And uh, I think she's going to Paul Nolan's, yeah. Is she still going to take up that obligation of going to Churchill and, and to be covered, do you understand? Or is it just straight for continuing her training career with Paul? I would say now that, um, you know, it's too late in the year to be covering a flat mayor. So I would say that's abandoned now. Can that's she, what I think. She's clearly still a very talented racehorse and she can clearly still continue to succeed on the flat. But does she have the attributes required to make it as a hurdler? I don't believe she has, and I never did. But we went through with it, uh, you know, because Paddy is a, a, a jumping man, and he'd love to have had a jumper, and that's what we bought her to do originally. But as I got to know the mayor, I felt it didn't suit her. and um, But then we did it, and as the brave mayor she is, she made her best fists at it, and I thought under the circumstances of what I know about her, she acquitted herself fantastically. But he didn't agree with that. So I think he's going on now to make a hurdler of her, which obviously I'm very disappointed about, but that's life. Do you get some solace in the fact that at least she's leaving one great horseman to go to another great horseman? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Paul will, will, will look after her well and, and I'm sure, but I'm worried about hurdling and, um, you know, there's just no other way of putting it. Yeah. I'm worried about her hurdling, particularly on summer ground. For me, I go as far as to say it's, um, it's, you yeah. know. Yeah, I think you said it's crazy, um, the, the good old Wi-Fi cut out on you. Good, good. <laughs> Uh, Paddy spoke with Sam Morgan in The Sun in the last few days and in that interview he talked about how he claims he's been vilified on social media and I didn't exactly hold back in, in my thoughts on it I, I was gutted to see the horse being, being moved and uh, impartiality be damned I think that's that's a fair point to make but given the fact that he spoke so negatively and unfairly about Danny spoke so negatively about you what does he expect us to say? Well the one thing that a point I'd like to make here is everybody said that I was saying things. I never said anything. No, no, you didn't. I'm disappointed to lose the mayor. I'm gutted to lose her. She was a great friend as well as my best racehorse. But, um, you know, I haven't said anything because I don't want to get drawn into a negative um, argument. You know, I've been very friendly with Paddy Kyo for 40 years and we just we disagreed about where the mayor should go and he took a stance and said, that's it. What can we do? Yeah, I, I thought you were very reserved on social media because back in early April, late March, when he first made the comments about Danny's ride and the mayor's novice hurdle, I, I think you just said, some, I'm paraphrasing, but something like that's out of line. But you certainly weren't clapping back at him um, and saying anything anything untoward or aggressive or rude to him. And, and he was saying that Danny would 
never ride the horse again. And look, that's his prerogative. He's the owner. Yeah. He pays the bills. But saying that kind of thing on social media in this climate, it just doesn't yeah, read well, particularly well. Yeah, and Petty is an older man. He probably didn't understand Twitter, and um, <laughs> it was just an unexploded bomb that he didn't realize he had just detonated. Yeah. So it just, you see, I don't think he understands that uh, how popular Mayor is and how much she's loved by the public, you know, for coming through all the little problems she has. And, uh, you know, Paddy is a betting man. Mm. And, um, you know, he likes to prepare tobacco and that. And I don't think he saw the gentler side of the equation here. And um, he probably just got into deeper water than he wanted to. So he left Twitter and everything is fine now. Should the, I just hope the mayor is fine in the end of it all. That's all I care about. Does Paddy have any other horses with you in training? Like, is the relationship somewhat intact or is it gone beyond repair? No, I, I, I'd say no, uh, if he wants to knock me, but um, what he very unfairly said about Danny, I don't think is repairable. And in the manner he said it, it was a lot rougher, uh, not on Twitter, in private, it was a lot rougher. So I wouldn't be willing to accept that under any circumstances. So I admire that. that uh, but uh, Philomena has a couple of horses here. And hopefully we'll continue that side of the Kyo family. So the relationship with the Kyo's is intact, but there's a fair bit of work to be done on Patty's side. Yes, exactly. Finally, you've spoken so eloquently about her, reflecting on her career and what she meant to you. Can you just sum up briefly what Princess Zoe meant to Tony Mullins? Ah, sure. I don't know if you can, if you can really put it in words. I mean... She she was as important to me as the air in my lungs. You know, I just love that mare more than any other horse that I ever came across in my life. You know, even my ponies as a kid, you know, and everyone loves their pony. But she was just something very special, very brave, uh, a character that I'm unlikely to ever come across again. Hopefully I'll come across a better horse, but I don't think I'll ever come across a character like her again. Tony, I wish you well. I'm sure there's more success to come your way, and I'm sure the next Princess Zoe is just around the corner, possibly from the sales and the new horses that have been sent to you. But thank you so much for speaking to us today. No bother. Thank you, Emmett. The gentleman, Tony Mullins. Well, on Sunday, the Sun journalist Sam Morgan joined us to talk about the weekend's racing, but he also talked to us about his exclusive interview with Princess Zoe's owner, Paddy Kyo, who gave his reasons for the split. Here's what Sam had to say. I was just in the office, and um, an email dropped into my inbox saying, um, Paddy would like to speak to you. Um, can you give us a call, please? So I thought, oh, okay, this is, this is quite interesting. How's this come about? Um, and why me, basically? Um, and then I tried to ring the number, which was um, an Irish number, of course, and found out because I'm on the cheapest uh, telephone plan going that I can't even make international calls. <laughs> so I thought, let's not scupper a potentially interesting chat. Um, with the fact I can't even dial out. Um, so basically, I sent an email back. The person got back to me. Next thing, my phone's lighting up. It's buzzing. Hello, Sam, it's Paddy. And what followed next was um, a really hard to kind of get my head around 30 minutes, 45 minutes, um, with a lot of Paddy talking and me listening intently and trying to 
question him on things, take us back to certain points, ask him more, ask him for more detail, that sort of stuff. Um, I must say he was a really engaging character and, and, a, and a great guy to talk to. And one thing, horse racing aside from this, you know, he, he he was he was great fun to talk to. Let's put it that way. I know the story has turned very bitter and nasty, and it's a fallout between two guys. I couldn't fault how sort of gracious he was in dealing with me and please and thank yous and all that sort of stuff. Um, but there is no denying that the story has gone um, really, really sour. And Paddy kept saying throughout the course of our conversation, um, "I'm being vilified. I'm being vilified. I'm being vilified." And I got the sense that perhaps for all the the, gust, uh, the gustra of this guy, the blood and thunder and, and, and the, the big extrovert sort of stuff. I, I got the sense that deep down, uh, whatever disagreements have been with Tony over the running of the horse, whether she's going to go over hurdles, you know, whether she's going to stay on flat, what she's going to do, she's going to go for a goalie hurdle, all that sort of stuff. Um, I don't think any party really wanted it to, to quite end like this. And look, a matter will be will be drawn under this. And, and Tony was absolutely fan, fantastic, wasn't he, on, on racing TV talking about how much the horse meant to him and um oh that interview with johnny ward is gold i mean he johnny was terrific in in doing the interview but tony spoke eloquently and and again you couldn't feel anything but the utmost sympathy for him in in this uh and and i did think he he spoke eloquently and you're 100 right that was a terrific interview i i I mean he just looked like a guy who was genuinely hurting to me but i guess the, the tough nature of this game i'd love to be in a position where i could say this one day but the the owner's are the owners, and even if they don't know two hoops about racing, they have the horse. If they tell a trainer, I don't want to do it, then the trainer has to listen. The trainer is essentially an employee of the owner, aren't they? So that's the way this has come about. I'm sure all parties would have wished it could have gone a different route and everything would be hunky-dory. Princess Zoe would still be winning group ones and going for grade ones over hurdles and all that sort of stuff, but it hasn't. But um, a lot of the comments, I think, that were picked up um, – from what Paddy said to me, um, especially about his words, by the way, not mine, his his words, but the horse's welfare. And I think welfare of horses is, is a is a term which has, it's basically an umbrella term. And there's a lot underneath that when it comes to racing um, that counts as welfare. I think mm. Paddy made reference to um, some blood tests they did with Prince Zoe. And he told me that the readings came back unsatisfactory. He said the horse wasn't well. He said the horse wasn't well, and I was advised to take her out of training. Um, did that necessarily mean he had to take her to a different trainer? I don't know. Maybe that was Paddy's decision to do that alone. But Didn't Tony did himself highlight that, though? He said that her, her blood levels hadn't come right since Ferry House. Yeah, he did. And I, I think he said that it was the timing of when they were taken. So they were quite soon after Cheltenham. So, you know, she, she'd run in that Mare's Novice Hurdle, I think there was, and it came fifth, I think. And, um, you know, they, they were just not not sort of at normal levels because they were taken so soon um, after a, after an arduous race. And I think that, that and, and yeah, you know, Tony, Tony has addressed that and he's put his side of the story across there. Um, Paddy seemed really insistent that this was a crux point for him. This was the absolute whole that everything came back to the horse's wellness. I use the term welfare, again, the horse's safety. Again, his words, not mine. And he felt that for the horse's safety, it was best if she went to um, a different trainer. And, you know, he did allude to disagreements over her campaigning. Um, He said some words about Danny Mullins, and he said, you know, he's a great jockey, 
is just not for me. You know, it's not it's not working. And I guess that probably happens quite a lot <laughs> between owners, trainers, and horses. You know, jockeys move around, have you know, get one off. Oh, I didn't like what happened there. Let's get another one in. Um, it seems like in the Princess Zoe situation, everything has been massively heightened. And and Tony has sort of flooded his Twitter, really, hasn't he, with um, videos of Princess Zoe and photos. And you can't help but be moved a little bit by the obvious connection, bond, love they shared. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that with Paddy, that got stripped away and he thought, my horse is not is not well here. Um, regardless of campaign on what's going to happen, I feel, and, and, and this is just him saying this, I feel she'll be better with a different trainer. And I think that was the key point he was trying to get across to me. So all, all the talk about campaign and races is sort of by the wayside, he said, for for how I think, how I think my horse is going to be well, I'm taking her out of this yard and she's going to a different one. Yeah, his his point about look, owners pay the bills. Um, and I was saying this to you off air that if if you and I own a racehorse together and we're we're lucky enough to be in that position and it's with a beloved trainer and that trainer is struggling for form for a year and we're getting overtures from somebody else who's saying, look, give this horse to me, I will win you a group one. If we choose to move that horse, that's our choice. And we might get vilified for it and people would would slate us for it. But ultimately, it's up to us. We pay the bills, owners pay the bills. It is their prerogative, their choice, who it is they have their horse with. However, however... This whole thing has been an absolute omni-shambles. Uh, from Paddy Kyo's comments about Danny Mullins right after Cheltenham on Twitter, if Paddy Kyo wants to dispute Danny's ride on Princess Zoe on her hurdling debut and how he rode her in the Mayor's Novice Hurdle at Cheltenham in private, he's entitled to do that. He can bollock him all he wants. Personally, I think he's very wrong on that. And it would appear to me as though Princess Zoe has just not taken to hurdling. And Tony took to, talked a good game. Tony was on the Paddy Power Cheltenham preview with Lydia Hislop and David Jennings, and he was very, very bullish about her. And and it, him, there's a there's an offset to that. Him being so bullish publicly on that forum and on other Cheltenham preview nights, that's going to flood into Paddy's mind, and Paddy's then going to think, oh, this horse is a solid moral. She's going to win. And then when she doesn't, when you're giving it the big hoo-ha about how confident you are about her being able to go and win, if she then doesn't do that, then the owner could very well feel, well, hang on, something's gone wrong, and it's not my horse, it's the jockey. But his comments on Twitter were shameful. Absolutely shameful. And if you want to say that stuff to Danny Mullins in private, say it in private. But he didn't. He took to Twitter to say that stuff. He also said some pretty nasty things about Tony at that time as well. And took and again took to the tweet machine to say that. That's why he's being vilified. It's because Paddy Kyo has handled this as about as horribly as anybody could. There isn't an ounce of class or decency in how Paddy has handled the situation. And maybe he's a lovely fella who has just mishandled and miscommunicated the situation. But even in in his interview with you, like to to hear you talk about how. He's he's a nice guy and he was a decent fellow to talk to and that he kept saying he's been vilified. But then his comments, I'm taking the horse away because I've got concerns about her welfare and her safety. Danny Mullins is a great jockey for other people, but he's done nothing for me. That's not doing anything to win over the hearts and minds of the racing community or anybody else. Like I tweeted about this and it, it blew up. I, I didn't expect it to blow up in the way that it did, 
but it did. And I've spoken to Tony about it. And I'm firmly on Tony Mullen's side. And I led this conversation with owners pay the bills and ultimately owners can decide what it is they want to do. But he has handled this whole thing. And, and I think your article was brilliant. And I think you got all of the points across terrifically well. And it's explosive stuff to read. But I still feel that he has handled this situation abysmally. And if none of that stuff had been said publicly, if he had bollocked him in private and bollocked Danny in private, they could have handled that themselves. And then if the news comes out, Princess Zoe has gone to Paul Nolan, well, people would be a little bit upset for Tony Mullins, but there wouldn't be this hoo-ha. There wouldn't be this epic blow-up and him being vilified on social media. It would just be, well, an owner's made the decision to move a horse to another trainer, despite the success that Tony Mullins has had. It happens in the game. Move on. At least she's gone to a good trainer who'll look after her. We don't need to worry about it. But instead, it's this utter mess of he said, she said, and throwing muck at one of the best jockeys in the weighing room, throwing muck at a gentleman of the game in Tony Mullins. He's done himself no favours whatsoever, and that's why he's been vilified. I think that's very, very, very fair to say. Um, when I picked up the phone to Paddy, he said, I've got a few, you know, I want, I want to get across my side of the story, was what he said. And I've, I think his Twitter's been deleted now anyway, isn't it? Um, oh, has he done that? What went on there. Yeah, I think I think it's gone. And unless my account was playing up the other day, I think his, his Twitter's gone. Well, that's that's um, probably a good thing because his Twitter account should have been taken off, from, uh, off him after Cheltenham. Like somebody, <laughs> like honestly, and we've all said stuff that we regret on, on social media. Like we, we can all be dumb at times, but really somebody should have just interjected and gone, Paddy, if you want to say that stuff privately, that's all very well and good, but you're not doing yourself any favours publicly now. Yeah, and even him, you know, either side of this, Tony, Paddy, whoever, tweeting about it, they put out that comment that post there's going to be a raft of comments below you know everyone's inquisitive you're going to read them you're going to be like what are people saying about what i posted yeah. it's all going to feed into it and i think everything built up into a frenzy um it's almost like princess zoe needs her own sort of pr guru to come in and just smooth this all over really doesn't she uh, kind of feel oh, sorry for the horse in situation but um like you say when it's played out in that public forum like that and what's what could have been uh, a discussion, a disagreement, a row, an argument, a chat between, let's say, three people. All of a sudden, you had tens of thousands, yeah. all part of this row, all with their own viewpoint on it, all chipping in with their own remarks, whether they be snide, positive, you know, so-and-so is an idiot, so-and-so is brilliant, this is terrible, owner can do what he wants. Um, what could have played out between three or four people is instead played out between the masses, and I think that's heightened absolutely um everything up to a massive crescendo, a massive boiling point in the story. And it's just gone kaboom, isn't it? And, and it's yeah. gone and it's culminated with the horse going and, and the back of four and, and look, let's see if that's the end of it now. Um, hopefully princess Zoe has some good runs under Paul Nolan and, and, and but I think she's eight, isn't she? So how much improvement is there going to be there really? We'll have to see what happens. But I think the fact that so many people had an opinion on it, so many people got involved with it, and whether these comments were read or not, I think it all played into just making it a massive, massive event, really, when, like you say, it could have been handled between three or four people and a line drawn under it. Out of interest, did Paddy confirm to you or did he say to you that he had told Tony beforehand when the horse box turned up that she's not going to stud, Tony, I'm taking her out of your yard and she's going to another trainer? Did he tell him that, 
Or did the horse box turn up to take her to stud, in inverted commas, in quotation marks, only for him to then realize, oh, wait, no, that's a Paul Nolan horse box? Yeah, I can't say for certain. I don't know. What he did say um, was that Tony didn't want, Tony wasn't going to allow the horse to leave. Tony didn't want the horse to leave. Um, so I don't know what went on when that box turned up and if there was a discussion or, I mean, from the video that Tony put up, it seemed like the horse was quite peacefully being led in. Mm. But the impression I probably got and the fact that Paddy said to me, Tony, when he says didn't want the horse to leave, does he mean like, you know, literally is there like, what's going on? This is a shock. Um, who who are you? Where's this horse? Where's my horse going? Sort of thing. Or does he mean just, oh, you know, Tony didn't want to see the horse leave. Um, I didn't, I, I hold my hands up. I didn't get that out of Paddy. I simply don't know. So I'm not, I'm not going to say one way or the other. I think um, we can, in, I think that, we can intimate from, the tweet from Tony that that his tweet literally says, "I thought she was going to start, but apparently not." Yeah, that would indicate. Which is another slight against Paddy Kyo because in all of this, if he just comes straight out and said to him, and again, this is another example of how just abysmally he's handled the situation. If he was just grown up about it and said to him, "Look, Tony, I don't agree with your methods. I don't agree with how this has been handled. I don't want Danny riding the horse anymore. I'm going to move her to another yard." Thanks for all you've done. Thanks for the group one. Thanks for getting me second in a Gold Cup. Thanks for the three handicap wins. Thanks for the days at, at the Galway Festival for being able to race at Royal Ascot, being able to compete over in, in Paris Longchamp and in France and Champions Day. Thanks for all of the, even the hype about going to the Cheltenham Festival and the build up to that. We've had some great days together and hopefully we'll have something together again in the future, but I'm taking her to another yard. But apparently, allegedly, that's not how he handled it. He just sent a horse box telling her, yeah, yeah, we're going to, telling him we're going to send her to stud. And then it turns out it's a Paul Nolan horse box. That's pretty poor as well. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to disagree with that. If that, in fact, is how it went down. It's hard to disagree with that. And I thought going back to um, the racing TV interview with Tony, I still got the air of a man who's a bit shell shocked, really. Still almost come to terms with <laughs> what yeah. happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and obviously their bond was so close. I think, you know, a bit like a messy breakup when it will take a while to get over but i did get i did get the sense of a guy who, who was a bit kind of startled you know still a bit startled by what had gone on and 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 everything perhaps coming out the blue for him yeah totally and that is the princess zoe saga there are three sides to this story tony's paddy's and the truth i know which side i'm leaning towards I hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Final Furlong Podcast. If you did, a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app and make sure you've hit the subscribe button as well so you never miss an episode. A like on social media is also much appreciated. We have another fantastic competition with Racing Tees where you can win yourself a hoodie and baseball cap in your favorite horse racing colors. Your chance to win that is available on my Twitter right now at Radio Emmett. We'll announce the winner on Friday's show. More great content coming your way very, very soon here on the Final Furlong Podcast. Until then, look after yourself and each other. God bless.